Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And this is Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true personal stories and learn how to write your own stories. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit. Shit. We do work out our shit there. There's no place in the world like writing class, and we want to bring you in. Today on our show, we bring you a story by Nick Link that was originally performed on stage at the Flagstaff Festival of Science in October 2023. Like on our last episode where we brought you a story by Bruce Hungate, this was a collaboration with ECOS, the Center for Ecosystem Science and Society at Northern Arizona University, and Story Collider, a podcast that airs true science stories. Yeah, quickly, we want to just tell you how this came to be. It's on the last episode. So if you've already heard this, just fast forward. But Jane Marks and Bruce Hungate are two scientists and professors at NAU. They're conservation ecologists and they happen to be married. And they're brilliant and awesome. Oh, yeah, they're they're yeah beyond. The two of them have been taking our classes for like three years or so and come to our retreats and just are amazing and we love them like crazy. And for some reason they trust us, thank God. Anyway, they were like, hey, can you help our students present their, you know, write and present their science stories? Because we really want to bring science to the world in a bigger, better way. So their vision is coming true. And um, they hired us to work with their students. And we did that online and in person. And it culminated into this amazing show at the Flagstaff Festival of Science. And everyone got a standing ovation. It was insane. I mean, the festival owner or director, yeah, the festival director said it was like the best showing, the best show, like everything of the whole festival. And, and she can't wait to have us all back. So we're psyched. They went from the page to the stage, these stories. And so it required a lot of memorization, but also storytelling. You can't just memorize, otherwise it's boring. So they worked on presentation skills. They really got their story. They nailed like different points and endings. And it was just really, really cool. They took all the things that were taught to them about live storytelling and made them amazing. So real quick, before we get to Nick's story, I just want to give you a little bit of blurb about him. He is a PhD student in the Mac lab and part of ECOS, the Center for Ecosystem Science and Society at Northern Arizona University. Back with his story after the break. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. 
Hey, writers. For the last 45 years, I've been going to tennis clinics to practice forehand, backhand serves. What does this have to do with writing? Well, practice, I've learned in the last 45 years, is what it takes to get good at anything. And that's why Writing Class Radio hosts a tips clinic, a writing tips clinic. We do this every second Saturday so that we can all practice going to scene, writing like we speak, omitting needless words, everything that it takes to become great or at least better at writing. So join us every second Saturday from 12 noon to 1 Eastern time on Zoom. To join, go to writingclassradio.com and click the link for the tips clinic. It's $10 and believe me, it's a lot cheaper than a tennis clinic. See you there. We're back. This is Andrea Askowitz and you're listening to Writing Class Radio. Up next is Nick Link reading his story, Gathered from Coincidence. I ran track and field in college, and me and about half the guys from the team lived in this animal house style dump. It was six guys, five and a half, you know, people coming in and out all the time, constant movement. And this was our party house. Everything was always sticky. And the team would throw big parties, right? You know, as we do, but our Christmas party was always huge. It came in between cross country and track and field starting. And so that was a time between seasons for us. At least those parties seemed pretty big at 18 and after a couple Bud Lights in you. My sophomore year, we put our heads together and said, let's make this one big, right? Let's make it a banger. And so even at a big state school like North Carolina State, where I went, student-athlete community is still about 300 kids. It's not that many people. So party invites worked in the way that Craig knew a girl from volleyball, Sam knew a kid from wrestling, and eventually word makes its way around. Now, word finally makes its way back around to football and basketball, and those guys roll deep. It's an 80-man roster, and they all bring their girls, and all their girls bring their girls, And next thing you know, you can't hardly walk through the damn house. So cutting back to us setting up for the party, trying to be good hosts, we go out and get a couple Christmas trees. Get them decorated nice, a couple condoms, a couple empty beer cans, you know, as as one does, traditional. And y'all might have more foresight than me. You might have more foresight than all of us. But lo and behold, each and every last one of those trees got pushed into corners, they got knocked down, they got trampled on, and come to find about half the needles ended up stuck in the carpet. Or worse, or worse, they got glued to the linoleum from all the spilled beers and jungle juice. So getting up the next morning, first order of business is cleaning up the house. And the first order of business of the first order of business is getting these damn trees out the house. So again, we put our stupid little heads together and the solution we come up with is getting the trees together, dragging them out in the backyard, getting them in a pile and lighting the pile on fire. Now, Flagstaff Festival of Science, make some noise if you ever lit a Christmas tree on fire before. All right. A couple of y'all grew up trash like me. That's good. Uh, For those of you who didn't clap, I'll let y'all in on a secret. They burn like you would not believe. I got uh, such a clear recollection of uh, holding up in the backyard, 
about halfway between drunk and hungover, watching those flames like a telephone pole. Must have been 20, 25 feet in the air. And I remember looking across that fire, which at this point we had no power to put out, and seeing the fear of God in the eyes of my roommates. These are boys, mind y'all, who had gone to private school. They didn't, uh, <laughs> they didn't grow up trash like I did. So there I am, utterly rudderless, no plans of what to do. Now, thankfully, the neighbors had a little more, uh, little more thought, which is good because the two to three Tupperwares of water I had thrown on it hadn't done much. <laughs> so the neighbors called the fire department. Raleigh Fire Department comes. They put out the fire. They have a uh, <clears throat> terse conversation with me and the boys. And they leave us with this little pile of ashes. And so now I'm nursing a splitting headache trying to figure out just how in the hell that fire got that big, right? This little pile of ashes that nearly burned down the whole neighborhood just the night before was only three Christmas trees, right? We nearly, nearly took out the whole neighborhood, lost the house over three Christmas trees. And so that memory was burned into my brain and I carried it for years. But the severity of that fire was sparked anew when I started my PhD here at Northern Arizona University. I was bushwhacking my way through the dense brush of Alaska's interior. Forests comprised almost entirely of Christmas trees. Now, I won't bog everybody down with too many pesky scientific details, but if you didn't know, Christmas tree ain't a species. <laughs> it's not the botanical term. Around the holidays, you could see a blue spruce, a white spruce, a balsam fir. Up in Alaska, they have black spruce. It's a close relative of those other two spruces. And noticeably, for our purposes here today, folks, also burns like you would not believe. So walking through those forests, getting to my plots, it was unsettlingly clear to me how primed everything was to burn. And that fear was also fueled by the fact that, that summer, summer 2022, 3.1 million acres were burning across Alaska. These are fires that can only accurately be described as biblical. And the people that are up there know it too. They're only one lightning strike away from losing everything. And so around their homes, their towns, villages, what have you, they're cutting down those flammable spruce trees. These are areas that we call fuel breaks. It's a break in the fuel. So where do I, where do I slot into all this, right? What is my piece of this? I'm trying to figure out what grows back in these things. In five, 10 years, are they going to have to come back and cut down these same flammable spruce trees? Or do less flammable trees like aspen or birch come back? And is there anything we can do to push them to come back as those less flammable trees? In a way, making a living natural fuel break. I will let y'all in on a secret, though, if you can't tell by my effete build. Uh, I never fought wildland fire. This living fuel break thing, it's the kind of stuff one can learn in technical papers and textbooks, ecological theory. But I do know people who fight wildland fire. And this summer, I was out with guys from the Yukon Territory, and they were helping us set some stuff up. And they were asking me about my work. I was asking them about theirs. And I got to wondering aloud, does this make any sense to y'all? Like living fuel breaks, you know, this whole Aspen and Birch thing. Like, does that make any sense? Y'all who work for a living? 
And <laughs> the chief of the crew, who was a First Nationer, guy from Northern British Columbia, had been fighting wildfires for 30-something years. He piped up and told me that when he first got into the game, the first thing he learned was that if you're going to get overtopped by a wildfire, all your escape routes are cut off. If you can make it to a stand of aspen or birch, it just might save your life. And for him, it had. Yeah, for him, it had. And so that has kept me afloat because I can get lost in the details of my work the minutiae, the small stuff, the insignificant, and forget why I'm doing it. Forget if it matters. And so the fact that it meant anything to that man meant the world to me. Reminded me for why we're doing it. Trying to make a world that's safer from wildfires, if not safe from teenage boys. I I heard this actually so much more impactful right now. And I've heard it a bunch of times through rehearsals, through stories, through writing it and the whole thing is like, what's our purpose in the world? And why do we continue doing it when some people are not getting it? And then we talked about that last episode about how dumbing down science to the people who are listening may have a bigger effect on the earth and saving our world. And I heard it this time that all he looked at in this story is the effect of that living fuel break on that one firefighter. And that was everything to him. So it's like one person at a time. If you can make a difference one person at a time, then maybe that's enough. And I just thought that was really cool. We may not change the world, but we did change something for one person. Huh. I love what you're saying, but I understood that because this firefighter, his life was saved by Aspen and Birch, it made our narrator's work matter. Exactly. The one person. Yeah. But that's one person who's lived through fires. So in my mind, it's not just like a random person who cares. He didn't just make a random person care, but he was, it was like, he got affirmation because our narrator, Nick, he seems to be thinking like, oh my God, I'm just, I'm just focusing on this like minute, tiny thing by trying to make Aspen and birch trees grow up in the middle of Christmas trees so that there's a natural fire break. Is that worth doing? Is that worth spending my time on? And then this firefighter tells him that, yeah, Aspen and birch trees saved his life. That is so cool. I I wonder if he's saying it's enough or if that was just the ending to his story or does he really believe it? Because you know how all the time people are telling me like I'm trying to change the criminal justice system. But what they're saying is, is you may never change the criminal justice system. But by working with these guys who are in prison that I can change them or I can help them and it's mattering to them. And they tell me it matters to them, even if I'm not. But I feel like it's not enough. So does he, you know, like in this instance, he's saying it does, but I don't know. Is it enough? Is it enough what we're doing if it can't affect change in a big, big way? So I think that's just a bigger picture. I believe that in this case, 
if if this narrator can make the forest in Alaska naturally grow aspen and birch trees, then he can save the forest of Alaska, not just one person or one tree. I, I really feel like he, because he got the affirmation from someone who actually lives within these fires and tries to fight them by hand, he he got affirmation that maybe what he's doing matters. It's a little different. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's true. It's true because it's not just mattering to the one guy. I mean, it's he just got affirmation. You put that in a really solid way. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But I do think that I do think that our narrator is is worried in the same way that you're worried. Like ugh, the minutia is the minutia doing anything. So I feel like that might be a kind of a common worry for people, especially when the problems are so big. I just want to cheer for this story because the narrator taught me things. And there's something that I heard this time that I didn't really quite get. And it's this part right here where he's saying he gives us the um, statistic. I think it was 3.2 million acres. 3.1. Okay. 3.1 million acres are on fire in in Alaska. So it doesn't matter if I know 3.1, 3.1 million. I don't know what that looks like. That sounds like a lot, but he put it in terms of like, those are biblical proportions. So now I'm like, whoa, I can imagine that like Alaska is so in danger and they've been on fire. And then he says so much of Alaska is one lightning strike away from losing everything. So he really put it into terms that I can understand. Like now I, those are stakes. Yeah. Those stakes are huge. And the other thing that I loved so, so much about what we're doing with the students from ECOS and the students from Northern Arizona University is like the reason that we're personalizing these stories, like how the personalization works. In this case, it so worked for me because here is this kid and he was a kid when he was in college. I, I don't think of him as a kid anymore, but college kid who like did this dumb ass thing that forever, he even said like burned such good writing, like burned a memory in his brain. Yeah. The memory was burned into his brain. I highlighted that too. Really, really well done. But there was a connection to like this thing that he did as a kid and what he's doing now. Yeah, the anecdote that's at the top actually really led to this guy's passion in life, basically. And this is the arc. It's a very simple arc. This is what happened. This is why it fueled him. And now he's trying to save the forest from these drunk college kids. It's perfect. And he just filled in the blanks. Yep. With details. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So true. There were, let me just, let, let me just like praise a little bit more. Like the um, Tupperwares of water hadn't done much. <laughs> My God, that's so funny. And then like, he's standing there like, how did it get this big? The other thing that I love is um, if you didn't know, Christmas tree ain't a species. Yeah. <laughs> he has such a presence on the stage and his terms and his, you know, he drops in personal information about like, you know, they didn't grow up like I did and, you know, stuff like that. So we, we just love the guy. I know he was a great performer. I loved, loved his performance. I love his story. And I think his story is so important. And now I'm like, I, I mean, in my mind, Christmas trees are species and they burn like hell and I'm really nervous. So yeah. <laughs> God, excellent. Well done. 
Thank you for listening. And thank you, Nick Link, for sharing your story. Thank you, Ecos, NAU, Story Collider, and Bruce Hungate and Jane Marks for bringing science to the mainstream. Oh, yay. Thanks for bringing it to us. Uh-huh. And thanks for including us. We've learned so much and we've just, I don't know, it's just been such a great adventure and I hope we get more, more, more. Writing Class Radio is hosted by me, Andrea Askowitz. And me, Allison Langer. Audio production by Matt Kundal, Evan Serminski, Chloe Emont Lane, and Aiden Glassy at the Sound Off Media Company. Theme music is by Justina Chandler. There's more writing class on our website, including stories we study, editing resources, video classes, writing retreats, and live online classes. If you want to write with us every week, or if you're a business owner, community activist, group that needs healing, entrepreneur, scientist, and you want to help your team write better, check out all the classes we offer on our website, writingclassradio.com. Join the community that comes together for instruction, an excuse to write, and the support from other writers. To learn more, go to our website or patreon.com slash writingclassradio. A new episode will drop every other Wednesday. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. You looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man podcast. Join me, host Mike C., as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.